Good morning, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with Todd Sylvester Inspires. Thank you so much for joining the Belief Cast podcast. As you guys know, I call it a Belief Cast because I'm passionate about beliefs. Belief dictates behavior. There's an old Latin proverb that says, Believe that you have it and you have it. I am so excited this morning to have Don Coleman on our show today. You will not believe his story. Seriously, this guy has been through thick and thin, hell and back. And uh, I've known Don for quite some time now. I consider him not only a friend, but we also work together. And uh, just so thankful for all your support. I know there's a lot of you out there that have reached out to me and, and have just loved what we have put out so far. This is going to be no different. This is going to be a powerhouse today. So Don, welcome. Thank you. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. And good morning. Yes, it's bright and early. We yes. do this early, man. <laughs> Absolutely. I wish you could have seen Don when he came in this morning. Um, <laughs> looked like he was sleeping in his car. We were just laughing about it, but uh, he uh, he's I have awesome. the hat on now. He's got his hat on. He feels comfortable, feels Absolutely. confident. So, Don, we're going to get right into it. Um, I want people to get to know you. Um, you've got a very powerful belief system as of as of right now. Yeah. But it wasn't always that way. Certainly not. Not even close. Um, but let's, let's, let's give our listeners just a little background on you, you know, kind of where you grew up, a little bit about your Certainly. family and that kind of thing, and Absolutely. a little bit about you. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. So I was born in, uh, born in Iowa, of all places, uh-huh. and uh, this was uh, back in 1982, and, you know, I traveled around Scotland, North Carolina, um, Scotland, really? Scotland, yeah, lived wow. in Scotland, North Carolina. I uh, was traveling quite a bit uh, as dad for dad's work, and but most importantly, I think the most formative thing about my childhood was my mom had three of us in just under three years. So for one week out of the year, it'll be you know thirty three, thirty four, and thirty five before I turn thirty six. I say that to say that you know as the first child, I was born and I was the most important thing on the planet. Right? right. It was it was all the love, all the attention, everything. Next thing you know, so quickly another another kid came along, and I'm sure so many people out there might have dealt with something like this. You know, there's other siblings, and all of a sudden, uh, the attention was off of me, right? Yeah, and right. and it's amazing. And maybe we can, maybe if you want me to touch on that now or later, of how formative that became, kind of in my life later on. Just just kind of that feeling like I didn't have that attention early on, and how that kind of shaped into my beliefs and and uh, and some of the negative ones, and then how I maybe reframe those. But. Um, well, what, what do you think belief started to form from that point? So, okay, I mean, that's so young. absolutely, very young. Very young. And, and, and through some of the work I've done, you know, over the, over the last several years, I mean, that's, I've, I've realized that that was actually a big, big, big part of mm-hmm. things. And so the belief that was formed at that age was, um, you know, you, you, you're, not, you're not good enough mm-hmm. just, just by yourself. You know, hey, we, right. we need something else. You know, right. you're, not, you're not good enough. And... Um, and, 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 and I guess a belief that, that formed in me was I need external validation. I need, I need outside attention. I need other people to feel like, to tell me that I'm good enough. Right. You know? Yeah. And when you're young too, that's pretty typical of a kid. We want, Very. we want to feel important. Absolutely. We want our parents to love us. Absolutely. And, uh, so, so let's go into that a little bit. Yeah. Did this continue on throughout your childhood? Through, you know, when when you say childhood, what what age you go into? I don't know. We're talking like maybe elementary school. Absolutely, absolutely. So throughout elementary school, um, you know, 
it would just be little things like uh you know i would i would i wanted so badly and and it turned into at any cost possible but i wanted so badly to be one of the cool kids mm-hmm. so badly i mean because you know feeling like I, I was the coolest kid to my parent in the world when i was just that first kid that was born right, right? and then and i wanted so badly to be part of the cool kids i remember like i wasn't i was athletic i always played sports but i wasn't the most athletic kid, but I always wanted to be the most, the best or whatever. And I wasn't. Mm -hmm. So I would, you know, if I wasn't picked first on the teams, which I rarely was, then I felt, I felt less than, you know, I felt, I felt like, um, I felt that I, that I didn't, uh, have everything that it took. And I, and I felt, I felt kind of left out. I felt rejected. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. Did, uh, your, did your parents know something was going on with that? I mean, did you, what was your behavior like because of that? You know, my behavior, so I, I'd say maybe at that age, I was, I started to, well, you know, I, I did, I, I did act out. I would act out in school and I would, I would, I would get into trouble, but it would mostly be when I'd go home, maybe it was still maybe resentment against my little brothers. I would, uh, I would, you know, kind of bully my brothers, tease my brothers. I know that stuff's common, right? You have little brothers, right, little sure. brothers fight and stuff like that. But it's just interesting the the reason behind mine. I mean, this goes back to when I was literally one and a half years old, and my little brother was born. My parents have memories of me literally trying to roll over him. Like I couldn't hit him or anything. Like you know, I could barely just walk, and I'm just trying to roll over him to kind of crush him. Right. You know, which is which is just that 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 attention thing. Yeah. And so I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah. No. But, no, that's good. Um. So let's jump ahead just a little bit. Sure. Let's, absolutely. You know. You know, for those who don't know Don, he, I mean, he's he's battled a, a drug addiction for for a long, long time. Not not now. <clears throat> he's in a very good place now, obviously. But let's talk a little bit about that. Like, when did when did that kind of start? When did that start to play in a factor in your life? When did you start kind of experimenting with drugs and Certainly. alcohol and things like that? Absolutely. So, uh, I mean, again, it so much ties back to this because that wanting to be one of the cool kids is what really got me into substances in the first place. Mm-hmm. So. When I'm in high school, I want to say it was freshman year in high school. No, 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 hold on. Let me take that back. It was eighth grade. Okay. Remember, it was eighth grade, and you know everyone hears about the kids that are smoking marijuana. Everyone hears about that. Right. Everyone hears about the kids that are drinking, that are maybe picking up cigarettes and starting to smoke cigarettes. And I, I just wanted to be in that mix. Again, maybe it's common, but I, I know where mine stemmed from. But... Um, and instead from the belief, I'm not blaming on the 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 situation of having of having diff, having a, a couple other siblings. It's the belief that w- that was manifested in myself at that time that yeah. I chose to live by. Sure, you know, and chose to continue giving attention for gosh, ten plus years, yeah, or more than time. that. And so, but it was you know the uh, the would would seek that stuff out. You know, would literally seek it out, even though I didn't feel good inside about it. Like I I, I remember walking up to this one hill where we would first smoke the marijuana. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking up to it and feeling like, gosh, I can't believe I'm about to do this or to go smoke the first cigarette. It was the same like place called like Green Hill on the avenues. Right. Yeah. And but we would uh, go up there and and I remember I just felt so sick to my stomach. But yet I would go do it because I just wanted to be seen as that cool guy. I wanted yeah. to fit in, you know, because yeah. if you would have maybe refused or like you got up to the top of that hill and you guys right. were ready to smoke. And you say, well, I bet I'm not going to do this. Right, absolutely. You know, now all of a sudden, well, what's your problem? Exactly. Yeah, that, that whole peer pressure stuff, which is real. It I know. really is real. You hear it and we kind of laugh at like peer pressure. Yeah. But it is legit. It is so real. Yeah. It is so real. And, and it's that's why it's so important early on to be able to 
understand who you are, be happy with who you are, respect who you are, and hold boundaries with people and with yourself, you know? Yeah, and it's interesting you say that, Don. I've noticed, and, you know, I'm doing this for a long, long time. Yeah. Kids who know who they are. Right. Right? And and can, and that gives them that confidence to be able to stand up. Right. Right? Because when we know who we are, drugs and alcohol, it doesn't really fit. It doesn't fit Absolutely. with us. And we can, we can say no. So, but I noticed the kids who don't know who they are and they kind of struggle with that. And most of us are in that boat. Right. We don't know who we are when we're younger. We kind of struggle with that. Absolutely. And then therefore we give in to anything really. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's kind of what happened. So that obviously started about eighth, eighth and ninth grade. About eighth, so. yeah, eighth grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. And then, so once it became, once it got into, you know, 10th grade, that's when ninth grade, I was invited to all types of parties and things like that. And then 10th grade. Um, you know, it became much more like now you could drive, right? Now you have your driver's license in 10th grade. Now you can maybe be the one that goes and gets marijuana for people. And then you've, you're kind of the guy with the marijuana. You can get a job at 16, so you have money. Right. You know, you're, you're, you're doing the parties. You're doing this, this ridiculous stuff. And, uh, and so it just, kind of, it just kind of snowballs at that point. Right. You know? Yeah. So let's jump ahead. You know, obviously that led to, you know, doing more harder things. And certainly I also want to get into some of the, you know, if, you know, I'm assuming sure. everything's on the table. <laughs> certainly. But uh, with uh, with some of the criminal activity that you yeah, got involved so, with. Yeah, so I can roll it right in. Because into... that kind of, so let's let's kind of do that. If that's totally. Right. Yeah, let's roll right into that. Yeah. So so we go from, uh, we go from, so 10th grade, et cetera, you know, just, just be, trying to be the cool kid, being involved in the parties, being involved in, invita- in being invited, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Then it goes into where everyone and all of a sudden in 10th grade, they want to be 21. They want it. They want to be 21, right? They, right. they want it. They want to have their fake ID. And then this is going into junior year. So then okay. junior year is, you know, I start, I, 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 I say, I want, I hear a couple of people get fake IDs, right? Maybe it's just that they have an older sibling that gives them theirs or whatever, but I'm like, Oh my gosh, I want to be, I need to be 21. I, I totally want to be 21. So, I find a friend that knew how to make fake IDs or or figured he had the skills to do it. Then he figured out how to do it. And I did it. And I remember thinking I felt so cool. I felt so on top of the world. And then when I took it to people, everyone wanted one, right? They're like, oh my gosh, I want a fake ID too. See, and that's interesting because now everyone thinks Don, hey, Don's the guy. Exactly. So that's when the switch really happened from between sophomore and junior year, which, and then I switched schools. I went from one private school to a different one. And I kind of told myself I can start a whole new persona now. I, I kind of have this, I have this whole new uh, chance to kind of start something new. And it, and it was so much on the bad boy side. Right. It became for you know it became so much more now. Now I'm going to be the bad boy. I'm going to be the party guy. I'm going to be this and that. And I got all the negative attention where I felt quote unquote good enough, right? right. But so so people are wanting these fake IDs and. I'm seeing an enterprising opportunity, and so I I start charging basically a hundred bucks per ID, and people just came in droves. You know, I mean, I can't even tell you it's ridiculous. I mean, right. I was making a it's decent amount of money, money at right. you know sixteen, seventeen years old, and um, I mean yeah. a lot, which which you know well, hundred bucks a pop. That's a lot of money. Oh yeah, and when you'd have yeah. maybe ten people coming at you at one time, it's a thousand bucks just right then as yeah. a kid like that. You know, and yeah. I, my time. It took me about 10 hours at that point. So 
little less. Hundred bucks an hour wasn't bad at that age. Yeah, not you bad know? at all. And, and of course, I, I pretty good now I'm, even. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm thinking I'm I'm really cool. You know, I'm thinking I'm really 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 cool. And um, it's uh, it just takes me down. Uh, do you want me to keep going? Yeah. So. Now at the same time though you're still partying I'm sure still part oh yeah you've so, progressed now to a well other no drugs no so so interestingly or, enough so at this point I haven't progressed to any type of other drug okay. at this point it's it's the marijuana regularly marijuana very regularly I mean you know leave class leave class and leave school several times a day to go smoke marijuana and then um, and then drink we would leave it's kind of crazy bad to think we would we would leave school several times a day. To go get completely smashed in a parking lot, you know, mm-hmm. and then go back to class. And I'm just thinking, this day and age, I mean, how sensitive I am to seeing when anyone's drunk or anything. I don't know how people didn't didn't know in high school. Yeah. You know, I mean, you just yeah. go back reeking like alcohol. Yeah. You know, and anyway, so th- so that's so it stayed do it stayed at that substance until I was maybe 19 years old so it, it was a few years it was till it was till i was in college when that when the other stuff came along gotcha okay okay so now now you're still doing these fake ids though. still let's, doing let's the fake ids and and still doing the fake ids and now i'm escalating into um into some uh into much more much more type of counterfeit type stuff um i'm being approached by people that aren't just people that want to become 21 i'm being approached by some people that these older guys that are maybe wanting several more IDs, several IDs per person, and I'm not understanding why. But these were some these were some bad dudes basically that had a lot of money, would pay more than I asked for, and and gave. But when I say bad dudes, that was a good thing to me at that age, right? right? Sure, sure. And so I'm seeing this as a as an opportunity to kind of even become more of that bad boy, more of kind of that that bad guy that I'm wanting to be, and um. And so, yeah, so I, I continue this business. The money keeps coming in. And at the same time, here's the thing. At the same time, you have to, st- have to understand how uh, I was doing very well on the SATs, ACTs, tested out of even having to do math in college, you know. Um, ended up getting into college, you know. Ended up, uh, you know, doing... Um, hold on, let me make sure I'm not jumping ahead. So while I'm in college is when I'm continuing... The, the business, continuing the fake ID business and, and the different counterfeit business and stuff like that. We're starting to get in some, you know, some other things. And, um, and then, but most importantly, I think this is when, this is when the separation between who I really am and who I'm manifesting, who, or who I'm pro- projecting myself to be is really starting to feel at odds. Right. And so now, when I was using back then, I thought it was so fun I never it never felt like it was as much of an escape. Right. But I remember that I was I had, this is in college maybe 1920 and I had tried maybe cocaine a couple times wasn't my thing. Um I was given uh I was given oxycontin by a friend when I'm about 20 years old. And I remember trying that for the first time in my life. And the first time in my life, it felt like I was at peace. Mm-hmm. You know, like, for, first time in my life might be a stretch, because going back to it, I had a great childhood. I really did. It's not, I had an amazing childhood. But what I'm saying is, um, first time I think I felt at peace, because I could escape from, I could escape from that kind of duality of not living my true self. Right. 
you know, yeah. that we call that cognitive dissonance. Absolutely. Right? Here's who I believe I am, but this is how I'm actually living. They don't, they don't match. Absolutely. Right. And, and, and how do you tune out that? How do you tune out that if, if you're raised right or, or not, let's raise right is maybe subjective. If you're, if you're, if you're raised with any type of conscience, which I believe everyone is, if you're mm -hmm. raised with any type of heart, you start knowing when you're not living you. I mean, right. you know it every moment. Your integrity, which is the most important thing in the world, and the definition of integrity I always use is doing the right thing when no one's looking. Yeah. You know, and I know you preach that big time, even with the clients and things absolutely. like that, that you see with is how important that is and how important that is to your recovered life. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the most important thing because you always know, no matter who, no matter who's looking, you always know. You're just by yourself, you, you know. Hey, I'm just gonna use this drug this one time, or hey, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna um, do this one thing that that no one's ever gonna catch me doing, or mm -hmm. I'm gonna cheat on this test, right. or I'm gonna whatever it may be. You you know you these know, things, you know. and it creates more cognitive dissonance. Well, it started back when you said you're walking up that hill to go smoke. You knew as you're walking Absolutely. up there, this is not this is not me. What am I doing? What am Absolutely. I doing? But then the belief system that you're not good enough outweighed it right. because you wanted everyone there to accept you. Exactly. I wanted acceptance. And, and for, for, for those of you that are listening, and hopefully a lot of kids will hear this, this is so important for you to understand how, how critical it is to do what you just said. It comes down to just having integrity. Yep. And to simplify that definite, you know, or that what that means is right. just do the right thing when no one's around. When no one's looking. Meaning when parents aren't over your shoulder. Exactly. And be able to stand up to your friends. But that's a tough thing. And ask yourself. It, it is. And in, in, in hindsight, what I would what I would have told myself, what I absolutely would have told myself, I would have defined it that simply because you hear the word integrity and it's you know you hear it in literature, you hear it in these different things. Right. But if I would have, if I would, if someone would have told me because everyone knows what it's like to have a moment by yourself. Whether you're 16 and up and you're driving a car, whether you're walking to school, everyone knows what it's like to have a moment to yourself. And right. just to sit and ask yourself, like, and it kind of goes to that, the, the assignment that I talked about on, on the war podcast, which right. is, and, and I learned this later in life, but what are the decisions that you make that make you feel better about yourself? What are the decisions you make that make you feel worse about yourself? Take an inventory of those every day. But when you have a moment, when you have a moment alone, just you're walking to school or whatever it might be, ask yourself, you know, what what is it in my life right now that I'm doing or that I might be about to do that I don't no one knows needs to know this except for me but that I don't really feel good about mm -hmm. you know and be honest with yourself about that yeah. because you know you can't lie to yourself yeah. you can but you're just gonna have to go to a bunch of drugs go to a bunch of alcohol go to whatever it might be to just kind of totally take yourself out of it because yeah. you cannot live in that in that that duality that cognitive distance that just that yeah. not living in line with with your values and everyone has values exactly no that's 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 awesome and i totally agree with you and we'll talk more about that at the end because i want you to give our listeners a challenge certainly well. gotcha gotcha um, but uh so let's jump ahead now i know there's a, i mean we could spend seriously three yeah, hours really on dawn here and we'll i'll have you back on for sure, sure. absolutely but let's jump ahead just a little bit to where kind of when when you're getting when when things got to their lowest point, let's kind of gotcha. just talk about that for a second. Gotcha. For so, all right. So I'd say I'd say here's when things got to their lowest point. So I kind of fast forward a bit, and and there, Todd and I know each other well. There are a lot of details. So yeah. um, maybe watching this back, maybe maybe I left a couple things out. I'll yeah. try to go. I think he asked the perfect question though, because that's that'll kind of make me 
tie up a couple of those loose ends. So all this illegal stuff doesn't come without consequence, you know? So, <laughs> right. so I'm doing all these fake IDs. I'm doing all this type of stuff. It starts to become into a situation where people are using these fake IDs for all types of different things besides drinking legally, legally. They're, uh, they're using these fake IDs to go create fake accounts at, at stores, you know, at things like that, getting credit, you know, getting right. credit. And ultimately what happens is, and, and this is when I was maybe a, about a month into my Oxycontin use, mm-hmm. never felt a withdrawal or anything, but um, I ended up, uh, make long story short, a series of things happened with a certain, with a certain uh, group of illegal activity that happened, which I've, I've kind of generalized, but, and I, uh, I ended up basically getting a knock on my door pounding on my door when I'm getting ready for work one day and I'm working at a prestigious law firm downtown you know at this point I'm right. working at a prestigious law firm I'm uh I'm you know in the pre-law society at my college I'm uh vice president of it actually at this point you know totally kind of just these right. double lives and um and I am um and and I just my gut told me this is not a good knock on the door. And I'm showering, I'm getting ready. So I'm thinking, again, kind of that, when, when you're not being yourself, you also kind of come across as stupid in a way because you're just not, right. smart people are in touch with themselves. But, and, and so I'm thinking, oh, I, they'll just go away. Like I can just, yeah. this knock is just going to stop. You know, this right. is just going to totally stop. Well, it, it went on for a while, then it did stop, of course. And I'm continuing to get ready and stuff. Walk out basically in my slacks, my shirt and everything. And I'm, getting in my car figuring like I'm good I totally yeah. I totally whoever that was even gone. though they were in my house yeah they're gone I drive not even to the next house I'm driving I don't even pass a house like you know yeah. a hundred foot long house and um this undercover car with these sirens come on right and whoop, whoop, pulls me over and they get out and they look serious it doesn't, it's not cops and badges. You know, these are plain clothes guys and a guy and a gal. And uh, they don't come and ask me any questions. They just put me right in handcuffs, you know. And at this point, I'm carrying a gun. I have a gun on my ankle. I'm 21 now, so I legally have the gun. But I only add that to say that I was carrying a gun with me everywhere I went because I started getting involved with shady people. Because you knew. Bad people. Again. Yeah, that you were doing bad things. I knew that I was doing bad things. Bad and and, and yeah. yes, and, and see, and here's the, here's another point I want to make real quick before I go to my sure. last point. No, no, this is this is really important. So I really truly grew up a kid, members of the different country clubs, you know, yeah. private school, um, you know, family family that did very well yeah. and family that was raised. My mom is amazing. My dad is amazing. But the, the values they raised us with are so solid. If I would have just listened to all those, you know, things <laughs> yeah. would have been so different. Sure. I, I would never change anything in the world with, with right. the way things have turned out. But but what I'm saying is I was raised a very good boy. A very mm-hmm. good boy. Now, as I'm starting to kind of see that bad boy, that bad boy allure, which especially like depending on the music you listen to, bad boy might be a really cool thing. Depending on the kids you hang out with, you know, mm-hmm. that might be a really cool thing. But this whole bad boy thing that I thought was cool because it made me feel more accepted it felt like it gave me power it felt like it gave me this this um this this good enough feeling at first it was an image right at first it was an image but then it there it crosses a certain point where you're you're the bad boy 
but then you're really a bad boy. Right. You're a bad person. You actually turn into You actually that. turn into that. And you can't live in this like duality, this kind of fake fake life for a while and have it stay fake. When you're right. living it, it's like you say where attention goes, energy flows. You put that attention that way, that energy really goes that way and next thing you know like that is your reality. Yeah, it becomes your reality. It becomes sure. your reality. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of things that I would that I would, you know, Things that I would change. I would never change everything that's happened, but you know what I mean. Yeah. But going back, so so that day that I'm arrested, um, they arrest me. They put me in the back of the car. It was not like, hey, let's ask you a couple questions and maybe you leave. It's like, no, you're going to jail. Right. You know, and so they take me to jail and I'm dressed up, ready to go to work at the law firm, like feeling like I'm... <laughs> go to jail in kinda, your tie and your Yeah, <laughs> basically, went, I did go to jail in a tie. You know, went to jail in a tie. <laughs> Actually, no, it might have just been a button-up, but pinstripe slacks, you know, dress right. shoes, the whole thing. And 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 also, I had been doing the Oxycontin for the last month. And never, and no one really stopped it. Right. So I go into jail the first time, and they ultimately let me out after about, like, you know, only six hours there. But during those six hours, I had no clue what my life was going to look like. And I'm starting to withdraw from the drugs. And I'm starting to realize, like, oh, my gosh, this is real. Mm-hmm. This is real. I'm sitting here in this horrific place next to these people that I never would have put myself in in the same, you know, right. I never would have thought I'd be cuffed next to these people in a in a on a on a yeah. seat. That's not um, who I am. Right. I'm not exactly. Like these people. I'm not like these people exactly. <laughs> but sure enough, here you are. Sure enough, here I am, yep. you know? And uh and and they're and they're putting a lot more attention on me than they even are these people. They're more like, "No, you believe to be you deserve to be here more than anyone." You know, and so um, that was probably one of my one of my lowest points. Yeah. You know, that was probably one of my lowest points for sure. Yeah, that had to have been scary. Did you know you're only going to be in for a few hours, or did you not even know? No, I didn't know. You know, I uh, I kind of had this like false confidence built up at that age, where it was like I knew I had to make everything on the outside, which was very dangerous for me mm -hmm. in in my use because I was able to put on this mask that everything was all good rather than being open to help. So, but my point was I was able to kind of just put on the put on that mask there and and just act like everything was all good, even though inside I'm panicking. You know, right. inside I'm panicking, yeah. and so I had no clue how long I was going to be there. After the first uh, few phone calls I was able to make, I w I learned that. I would likely be out without having to go check in, but or dress in what they call it. Yeah. We actually dress in, but um, but still, I had to uh, go through all the processes. Now you don't even know until the very end, right? And even then, you know that this is just starting. You know that you're not just gonna get out and that was your sentence. No, now you're gonna have charges. Now you're gonna have to go through the court system. Right. Now you're gonna have to look at potentially prison time. You know. Right. What what were they what were they going to be charging you with? So, so at that at that at that point they were going to be charging me with um with a felony. You right. know they were going to be charging me with a felony at that point. That it was a felony. And um, and in fact it was it was basically a couple felonies and uh. And, that's what, um, so that's that's what they were charging me with. Now. Fast forward and maybe tell me if you want me to be back. But fast forward, I ended up getting on probation out of this, and uh, which is kind of like a sentence. For, so I, the, the, the decision was I basically ended up having to do a weekend of jail of my choice, which is pretty lucky, and be on probation for three years. 
pretty lucky given the charges. Right. Now, what do I do? I got that. I licked that. You know what I mean? I can continue doing this because it became so much part of my personality, my persona, who I was. I had to continue this stuff going on. So I'm continuing to do... Now I'm getting into the drugs. Now I'm now I'm uh, helping make prescriptions for people that are going to be running fake prescriptions. I'm starting to get... Um, I've never really said that. We've recorded some other discussions that haven't come out yet, but right. this is the, really the first one. That So um, if I seem... Like I'm, you know, I'm just kind of a little hesitant, little, little hesitant. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but it's okay. Um, and, uh, but you know, end up, end up doing those. And, and so, and, end up, and anyway, long story short is, um, I get a knock on my door. Don Coleman FBI, you know, and that was a heavy moment. Open the yeah. door, three plane closed. Three plainclothes gentlemen. Um, no, 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 no. Two in a suit. One place. Two in suits. The full, just like in the movies. Like you know? you've seen the movies. The right. neck, the neck, the the badges out and everything. Walked right into my house. They didn't ask me if they could come in. They 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 had their warrants. They had whatever they needed. And and uh, we ended up having a meeting, just a brief meeting in there. And uh, ultimately called my probation officer. And again, because I'm continuing to do this stuff, I had an opportunity to totally just have some integrity, be real with myself, and change, and, and have gotten away with a really good lesson. But I continued to push it. I continued to do this stuff. And I ended up, uh, and ultimately I ended up going back to jail, which was the, that was maybe even lower than the first time. Mm -hmm. Because that was, I told myself I was never coming back. Ever gonna be here again? Famous last words. Famous last words. But and, but what's funny you say that I'm never coming back. Right. But yet go back to that integrity piece. You you weren't doing the right exactly. thing when no one was looking. Oh, exactly. <laughs> when no one was looking is when I was doing all the wrong things. All the wrong things. And when people were looking, is when I was putting on that I was Pretending. doing all the right things. But more so than just maybe your average person. I mean, again, I'm I'm I'm. I'm I'm participating in all the extracurricular activities. I'm vice president of this. I'm doing all these different things, and uh, and yet I have this this kind of second life going on. Wow. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. And it's interesting because it's 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 so interesting when I'm meeting with clients that you're so passionate now about integrity because you live the exact opposite and you saw oh, the yeah. consequences from not having integrity. Absolutely. And and it's interesting because I have some things that I'm real passionate about too. Is because I was doing the exact opposite in my whole life. Right. And it wasn't working out for me. Right. Right? So I, I just think that's interesting how you were doing the exact opposite. But now, today, people who know Don today, it's all about integrity for him. And yeah. like he's obsessed with it. Absolutely. Like, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and I love that about you. You're, I mean, you get to know Don. He's just passionate about what he loves. Thanks, man. And, and that's why... On the flip side, back when he was going hard in the wrong direction, you were passionate about that too, though. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. That's why you were so good. That's why you were the guy. But again, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But sure. You're still trying to mask that belief that you're still not good enough. Absolutely. You're still running and gunning. I have to do this to be good enough. I have to yes. keep this up to be accepted. Because if you stop doing that, what do you, what do you who are you? What now? do I have? Who what do I now? have? Who am I? Oh my gosh! But wait, but people see me as the as the bad boy that does this, that does that, that goes to all the parties, that you know can get anyone anything they need. Like, 
who am I without that? Oh right. my gosh, I'm nothing without that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, all these people are going to not want to talk to me anymore. Hint, probably people I shouldn't have been talking to anyway. Right. You know, <laughs> but, uh, but still you, 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 you get caught up in this, in this desire for, you know, this external validation when you're not, when you're not, when you don't know how to create internal validation, when you don't know how to be happy with yourself and love yourself. You need it from so many external places, mm-hmm. whether it be a substance or other people. And that's when you start, that's when you start basically being, um, being disingenuous with, disingenuous right. with yourself. So let's, and I know there's, we're skipping over oh, a lot. Oh, we're skipping of over story. a lot. So yeah. much, but I want to talk about, you know, kind of like the lowest point where you decided to turn your life around, where, where you finally go, okay, gotcha. I need help and I'm going to go do this, this, and this. Let's, gotcha. let's talk about that for a minute here. Okay. So, so. So basically, so I know that's hard. Well, well, no, it's just hard because when I look, yes, and and there's a lot in there. But when I look back, it's like you wouldn't think it would be the obvious moments, right? Like again, you would think it's that first time in jail, like oh, I'm gonna change, you know? Yeah. Or maybe even that second time in jail that I just talked about a few minutes ago. Oh, I'm gonna change. No, I ended up getting in a lot more trouble and ended up going back to jail about five different times, you know, and uh, over like a couple years span, and then. Ultimately, long story short, I was given an amazing opportunity to, if I if I were to go and graduate, what was considered the hardest program in the country at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, like you know, it was at that point, it was like you know, a three percent graduation rate. Three percent people actually graduated the program. Wow. That says something, yeah. you know. And and uh, and I was told like, look, you do this. Or you walk all the way to the. If you walk out of this place, you you keep walking all the way to the prison, and if you keep and if after that walk all you walk all the way to the federal prison because that's the type of charges that are waiting for you, you know and and so I so and keep in mind I'm not I haven't answered the question yet because I still haven't really decided to turn my life around even though I've decided to go to this program. Again, for me, it's almost just a perfunctory measure at that point. Like right. I'm just gonna do this to avoid consequences. Da da da. All right, this is just kind of going through the motions. I have to do this to avoid jail or whatever. But when I went to this program, um, uh, when I went to this program, it was, so I was, I was sentenced to a, two, to a program that, that took me about two years to, to graduate from, and, and I was sentenced to graduate it, and, which is really given an opportunity at the time it felt like a sentence, but, and I'm going through the program, and the program is all about your behaviors. It, you rarely talk about drugs or alcohol. It's all about... Not that dissimilar to Wasatch, just in a very much elongated, more intensive fashion. In that, in that mm-hmm. sense, that you're, you know, that you're, um, that, you know, you're living there for years. Right. And um, and so it's all about every single behavior that you do. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Every yeah. single behavior that you do. I'm sorry, guys. Guys, people, people are shouting it's actually out someone already. To get some help. <laughs> so um, I will, I will get back to them. I never let that go. So, um, <laughs> the, uh, so it's all about every single thing you do is held accountable, right? You hold it accountable yourself or it's held accountable by others, which means, and this is healthy friendships and healthy relationships. You do anything you want your friends. It's no, no such thing as snitching on you. You want your friends to bring it up to your parents or your other friends. Hey, he's doing this. He's smoking weed. What is he doing? You know what I mean? Like, What's going on? Hey, Don, do you see that you're doing this? But this program was all about little behaviors like, 
hey, I noticed that you were dishonest yesterday because I know the truth and I know what you said. I want to hold you accountable for that. Or, or hey, uh, you weren't supposed to say this word, but you said this word. I want to hold you accountable for that. It's nothing but that in a group room. But here's my point of where I'm going is for the first time in my life, I started hitting this plateau in the program. That's a program that's as long as it needs to be. Some people had right. done five years. Right. You know, you don't you don't get past the next level unless it's decided by a huge group that and really all your peers that you really kind of deserve to go to that next level. And again, here I am finishing high school, finishing college. Um, at this point, I've not only finished college, I've started grad school. You know, I'm only twenty two at this point and I've started grad school. Right. You know, um, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm doing that and, um, and, and so I'm, I'm used to just completing and, and doing well in this, doing well in this, doing well in this. I was going to go to law school. I did an amazing score on the LSAT, but yet I go to this program that I, I'm just, I'm hitting this plateau. I'm only getting past the first couple phases Then I'm getting knocked down a level because mm. maybe I'm, I'm dishonest or and, but the thing is, there was such a big piece that I just couldn't see that was a blind spot because I lied to myself so much to make it long story short is there was this, there was this instant, there was this issue that happened in the house and there's so much language. Right. I'm trying to transfer the lingo because there's really a different sure. language used in that program. Right. And went in this situation where basically for a week, it's everyone just cleaning up their program and just totally coming clean on everything. And all of a sudden, everyone had all this. It, it, it was literally 60 on one. I'm in the center of the room, and there's all these people that are being like, that are coming at me for something, and I don't know how to own anything about myself. I don't know how to be real about anything. Like, people are like, Don, you have a blue shirt with stripes on it. I'll be like, all right, first of all, you're an idiot. Second of all, I'm more educated than you. Third, um, these aren't stripes. These are horizontal lines. Right. You know, just like anything I can say to just dismiss what you're saying. Yeah. And because I, but the point is, is I was believing this. I was literally not just trying to be smart. I was believing this stuff. I was believing my lies right. so much. And, and it got to the point where I, everyone was on me and I couldn't understand it. I'm having the biggest like internal panic being like, why are these people on me so much and I can't understand how to get out of this situation. I'm always knowing how to kind of navigate out of these situations, but these people are on me. And so where where it goes from there is then I get I was I went into this thing there called limbo where I couldn't talk to anyone for about ten to twelve days, but you don't know how long it's gonna be. Literally couldn't talk to anyone. Half the day I had to write in my pad, half the day I had to go like paint or do dishes or work construction, right. whatever it is. And so when you can't talk to anyone for literally 12 days, you're literally on, you can't talk to anyone. You can't even ask for the salt or the pepper, you know? You really have to have a lot of those moments, again, where you have right. to really focus on yourself. And so this is the answer to your question is, in that moment is when I, fig is when I said, I need to change. Like, I have to change. There is something that I'm not even getting. I'm not even knowing mm -hmm. how to change. I'm open to this. I'm in this program. I'm staying. I'm doing everything I can. I think I am. And, and, but I don't want to be in this situation. I want to understand what's really going on with me. Right. And so after I kind of was able to talk to people again, someone held me accountable one more time for something. Well, it happens all the time, but, right. but this time I simply took responsibility for it. Hey, Don, you know, you broke this rule. And I, my answer before then was always like, no, I, I didn't break that rule. I'm sorry. You're, you're totally misunderstood. This time I answered it with, 
And I really didn't remember breaking the rule that they were talking about, but I answered it and I wasn't even thinking about this when it just kind of came naturally. I said, you know, um, you know, hey, I, I apologize that, you know, that I broke that rule. I, there, it's very likely that I did. I need to have better awareness and kind of keep a better attention because for whatever reason, I don't remember it, but right. I'm going to do a better job and I'm sorry. And for the first time in eight months that I'd been there, for the first time, it was that quick of an issue. It was that quick. It wasn't a two-hour group on me Process, for just not getting yeah. it. And then, I, But in that moment, I learned that starting that feeling of integrity. Like, whoa, just own the flaws you have. Own the faults you have. Just be able to accept them and yeah. talk about them with people and share them and do a better job. You're not horrible because you make a mistake. You don't need to be perfect. Just yeah. own it and learn from it and move on. It's almost like when you said... You finally came clean. You're being honest in that moment, right? And then people probably still accepted you. You're probably thinking, "Oh, oh my I'm gosh, I'm still okay." Yeah, and not only that, accepted you more. Yeah. Now, again, not about it's not about chasing the acceptance, but when it's the right acceptance, it's totally different. Yeah. But when they started being like, "Yeah, it's it, you're having integrity, you're having honesty," we all fall down. We right. all fall down. Yeah, those of us that can be honest about it and be open to help and and get up can be trusted, can be loved. You can start to trust yourself. You can start to love yourself, exactly. you know? That's powerful. Absolutely. That is powerful. Um, you know, I know there's a lot more, and we're, we'll definitely have you on again, but I want, if you, if you could give any advice to, let's say, you know, a high school, junior high yeah. kid, back back kind of what you were, where you were at at one point, what, what advice would you give them at this point? To... The advice I would give them is I would say, Right now, if you listen to this, right now after this, stop. Give yourself three minutes of silence and just ask yourself, Am I in is the person I'm living right now the person I really am? Mm -hmm. The way I was raised, the way that I feel good about myself, the person I am in my head, the the way my heart is, is that who I'm really projecting to everybody else? Mm -hmm. Is that how I'm really living? Am I being honest with myself? Yeah. Or am I deceiving myself yeah. and everyone else? Yeah, that's that's awesome. And most kids, even adults, don't spend the time and just be in the Ever. silence for a minute. Ever. Ever. And certainly not yeah. being reflective in right. the silence. Yeah, I love that. Um, one of the things, one of the principles I teach my clients is called embrace the silence. Because in the silence is when suffering stops. That's when revelation happens. That's when inspiration happens. Yeah. I love that. So there's your challenge, peeps. Uh to what Don's saying there is to spend some time in the silence and ask yourself that powerful well, question. Well, and, and so just to expand that just yeah. briefly, the best thing you could, I would recommend, and this is something I started early 20s from that program, was I learned to, to not only, but every day to take maybe five to ten minutes, write down a list of three things, write, get a piece of paper, draw a line down the middle. On the left-hand side, Write decisions I made that made me feel worse about myself. On the right-hand side, write decisions I made that made me feel better about myself, just a positive and a negative. And then literally write down three things in each column. So maybe you write down, I called my grandma today, and it felt good to stay in touch with my grandma. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, I was on time to class today. It felt really good to be on time. You know, I helped, I helped someone that needed help. On the other side, you know, hey, I was asked about this and I lied. I cheated on a test. You know, hey, I was kind of rude to my girlfriend when she called me, whatever it might be. But these are decisions that, that 
And if you realize that these start, start making you feel better about yourself and worse about yourself, you'll start to be able to see themes. If you start doing this every day or every week, you'll start to see themes in those. You'll actually start to see themes that, that generate from those things. Maybe you start to realize, and then from those, you'll learn your value system. And that okay. is, and, and so maybe it's getting a little bit more deep, but the thing is you start to realize these themes. And if you can start just taking that time to be reflective and just looking at decisions you make that make you feel better about yourself, decisions you make, make that made you feel worse about yourself and learn how to do more of these and less of these. Right. And then you learn your values from it. You're going to, you're going to start to be able to live in tune with yourself and really get to know yourself better than most people do. Right. Then most people even know themselves, and that's a really cool feeling once yeah. you can start to get to that. Point. I love that. It goes back with what we said earlier. You know, where attention goes, energy flows. Yes. Put your attention on the positive. Yes. Focus more on that, and say, "This is what I'm going to do today. I'm not going to do this today." Exactly. Even when no one's looking. Exactly. Especially right. when no one's looking. I'm going to do the right thing when exactly. no one's around. So, well, dude, um, you know, this is definitely part one of part. Two. You know, there'll be two parts of this. Um, because there's so much more I want you to share. Absolutely. Um, but I want to thank you for being on. Absolutely, uh, man. It's, you know, you're a great friend. I, I love the way you live your life. Thank you, my man. I love just talking to you, dude. I mean, talking to this guy, I could talk to him all day long. He just, <laughs> Same he's just, with Tom. He's hilarious, but he's brilliant, and he's passionate about what he does now. He He's the director of marketing at Wasatch Recovery. Does an amazing job. You know, one of the things that I want to point out real fast is that when you're on the phone with someone who's looking to get help in a treatment center, I just love the way you talk to them. There's no pressure, but at the same time, the passion's coming out. Thanks, man. And just, I don't know. You, I, I, I said talk to them the way I, I, I want to be I don't know how you don't have a 100% to. success rate of getting people in here because <laughs> it's just, the, I just love the way you carry yourself. And Thanks, it's proven man. we're always full here Thanks, because man. of what he does. But uh, I'm a better person for knowing him, and so I want to thank you for being thank on you. my belief cast. Absolutely. It's okay. been an honor to be here, man. You're a good man. Okay. That was my Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thank you.